Good morning. It's good to see you all today. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, and uh, Children's Church is now dismissed and released to the back, follow the rest of the horde running, try not to get stampeded, no. Uh, it's good having you all. My name is Randy Pauly. If this is your first time visiting us, I am the pastor here. And if you're returning visiting us, welcome back. It's good to see you all again. We are in Genesis. We're working our way through the book of Genesis. And I'm going to be flipping, actually pressing there with you. So bear with me. It's pretty, you open your Bible, it's kind of the beginning. But if you go electronically, it's, it's all presses. So we're on even playing ground at that point. Uh, no, so we'll be in the book of Genesis as you turn there. And I get adjusted up here. Some of you from Tennessee might see more Hawaiians over there. Coming football season with Marcus Mariota over there, so including myself, but I would be going through Tennessee to my motherland, Georgia. So I was super excited about that news. We'll see what happens. Tell you what, many of the deepest sorrows and most painful memories and most hurtful incidents in your life this morning, today, are likely going to arise from broken promises. Broken promises. This starts as we are very young children when parents don't keep their word to you. No, we will go somewhere. We will go there, and then we don't go. And we start to learn this very quickly. Or our friends make promises to us, and they break those promises. And then as we get a little bit older... It then becomes the stakes raise, and we might have a spouse who breaks promises to us. Very painful. Always extremely painful. We have employees, employers who may break their promises and not keep them. Conversely, some of life's greatest joys, some of the greatest joys in life will come from kept promises. One word, payday. That is a promise kept that we all love every week, two weeks, monthly, right? You look forward to that promise, and it gives you fuel as you sludge along daily through work. Uh, some of other life's greatest joys, anniversaries, a remembrance of another year of promises kept. Weddings, promises made. Vacation. Other promises come from these things. So some of life's greatest joys and greatest sorrows come from promises. You'll have a, maybe have some slides up here. I'm not sure in the meantime. Today, we're going to be examining the covenant. So we've been working our way through the book of Genesis over the past several months. We've made it to very deep in the book of Genesis to chapter 12. I'm kidding. We haven't gotten very far, right? We've been taking some time to reorient and see how applicable the beginning really is, especially in light of many of today's society's controversies. 
And so we've walked through Adam and Eve and the fall. We've walked through Cain and Abel and how the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We've walked through uh, Noah and the fall, the, the Tower of Babel, all of these things. And, and I've scarcely even mentioned the covenants for a reason because I was waiting till we got to Genesis 12 with Abraham. Last week, we started our first week. We introduced Abraham, or Abram, and Abram is a major player in the Bible. If you weren't here last week, it would do you great service in your Bible reading to go back and, and listen to last week's sermon on our website, callouisbaptist.org, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I just introduced you to Abram and, and reoriented. Who is this Abram or Abraham guy? Who is this fella? What does he do? He's mentioned almost more than 500 times in Scripture. Major, major. I, it would be difficult to overstate the importance of Abraham and the storyline of redemptive history. Likewise, it would be difficult for me to overstate the importance of the covenants in redemptive history and what God is doing in the world. Our God is a covenantal God. So, we will be examining some of the covenants today, not all of them, and this is more going to be an introduction to covenants, a more of an orienting to covenants and promises. And you ask yourself, why do we make promises? All of our lives are literally structured on promises. Why do we make promises? One pastor, Michael Lawrence, said, because we live in a world created by a God who makes promises, and we were made to know him through those promises. So in a very profound sense, the story of the Bible, the overarching, we talked about this in Sunday School Gospel Project, the overarching story of the Bible, you could say, is the story of a single promise and how God plans and fulfills that promise to redeem his covenant people. And the unfolding of God's promises or plans happens through covenants. And so we're going to examine some of these. We're going to orient and introduce this idea of covenants. Covenants are the backbone, if you will, of the overarching story of Scripture. They're the backbone of the overarching story. This is what makes the Bible feel unified and unique. We said, we saw the video last week, the story of Bible is not separate stories. They are, it is one story all pointing to and flowing from Jesus. The covenants unify the scriptures. Now, some of you may feel very lost today. All right, I'm just going to, I'm going to give this to you. If, if you've never heard covenants preached on, you've never seen it, you're going to just feel very lost, and that's okay. Some of you are new Christians, and you're just reading the Bible for the first time. You may feel like a baby. You might not even have categories in your brain for some of the things we're going to say today yet. And that's all right. I have a son. He's two years old. I also have a little daughter. She's three months old. My son is a baby. And guess what? When I put food in front of him, let's say a banana, what do you think he does? He asks, is that a GMO banana? No, he doesn't do that. He just eats. 
right? He just eats. He doesn't ask, is, are these potato chips healthy? Is there sugar in these potato chips? Are they, you know, too much? Am I going to get cancer from these? He, he doesn't care. He's too. He just eats, right? You just put food in there. He's like, I don't care what it is, in the mouth, right? A rock in the mouth, okay? Doesn't matter. We've tried it, all right? Doesn't go well. So some of you are like that. You're just like, what covenants, dispensational, whatever. Like, I just, I don't understand any of this stuff. That's okay. It will, we are forging, literally forging categories. One day, my son will wake up and he will know what GMO bananas and non-GMO bananas are. He will know and he will discern what food he likes and he will be able to discern these things. But today, just eat. And so if that's you and you're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, it's okay. Just eat. Just eat the words of Scripture. I am going to try to give you categories, going to try and help you orient your Bible reading. You cannot, I emphasize, you cannot understand the overarching stories and themes and doctrines of Scripture without at least a functional grasp of covenants and how they relate to one another. Illustration. For example, you might know how to add and subtract. And any math fans in here? Who's ma who loves math? Okay, I'm one of the few weirdos, okay? Uncle Wes, way more different, and he's a whole nother weirdo level than I am, all right? So when it comes to math, actually everything, I, I don't know. Um, who hates math? Any, any, okay, right? All right, so some of us with, with math, we can add and subtract, and we know how to multiply and divide, and, and we know all of these things, exponents, so okay, we're getting a little bit higher out of there, right? We know these things, but if I never, if I always teach you how to add and subtract, multiply, divide, do parentheses, but I never teach you the order of operations, where are my high schoolers at in here? Order of operations, PIMDAS, right? You guys remember that? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. No, nobody? Um, parentheses, exponents. Multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, pim, da. all right, there's an order of operations. When I approach a problem, there's a, I can't just add and subtract from left to right. There's certain orders of things I have to go in. And if I never teach you the order of operations, you will come to a problem and leave very frustrated because you won't be able to get the right answer. Likewise, when it comes to the covenants of Scripture, the backbone of the history of redemption, if I don't at least try and form in you order of operation, so to speak, how they interact with one another, where you're at, you won't be able to understand many portions of Scripture. You might find yourself very frustrated in speaking to somebody about Scripture if you do not understand these things. So be patient with me. I, I'm, I am no expert uh, on trying to teach the covenants. This is a massive, massive undertaking of Scripture. So today is going to be just an introduction, an introduction. So uh, let's, let's work through it together. I want to give you first, what is a covenant? That'll be up here. It will be up there. 
Eventually, it will be up there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what, there it is, see, delayed, 4G, okay. What is a covenant? And as we introduce it, some of you are going to be like, you didn't even cover this or this. I know because we are just introducing, all right? We're just introducing the covenant. So a good definition comes from Michael Horton. Uh, covenant is a relationship of oaths and bonds and involves mutual, though not necessarily equal commitments, all right? That's your kind of a working functional definition. It's a relationship of oaths and bonds and involves mutual, though not necessarily equal, commitments. Alastair Wilson says, covenants or covenant, this concept, presents God's desire to enter into relationship with men and women created in his image and likeness. This is reflected in the repeated covenant refrain. This is important. This is what a covenant God is doing with us. This is huge. Let it blow your mind. Holy Spirit, open it now. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's what God offers to us in his covenants with fallen men and women. Fallen men and women, I will be your God and you will be my people. Let's pray going forward. Uh, Heavenly Father, all authority has been given to Christ. Lord, bless our efforts to make disciples and teach them all things that you have commanded us. And as we come to this idea, this massive uh, idea, concept of the covenants in Scripture and how you graciously relate to fallen men and women. Would you please give us clarity, give us understanding by your Spirit, give us unity that you might be honored in all and in all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So that's a covenant. Many of you may have thought of your salvation uh, in terms of coming to faith in Christ, professing your repentance from sin and, and following Jesus forever and trusting in the work of Christ, but many of you may have never thought of your salvation in terms of covenantal love. Even those, well, we'll get to that. Many of you may have never thought of your salvation in terms of covenantal love. This should blow our mind that God, God Almighty enters into relationship with fallen human beings. So let that settle. God himself, in the fall, when Adam and Eve ate of the, the fruit, he could have just wiped out everybody. Started over. Punishment, the end, period. Or again, when Noah or Cain and Abel, the days of Noah, there was every thought and intention of the heart of mankind was only evil continually. God could have just wiped out everybody. And in some senses, he did. But he saved eight. Fallen humans can have a relationship with God Almighty, and he does it through covenants. You might have never thought of your salvation like that. Some of you might be like, yeah, I kind of understand covenant, but if I were to ask you to explain it, it'd be like asking you to explain how a car works. You'd start giving me noises and sounds. Yeah, you, you put the key in, it goes, right? You, you kind of get the concept, but it's just fuzzy. 
But this is so important because this is how you're, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Where we remember the new covenant and the blood of Christ. Your salvation has come to you in terms of covenant with God Almighty. This is not just an academic exercise. It's not just so we can be doctrinal heavyweights and you can go and say, I know about covenants of Adam and Noah and Abraham and David and Moses. No, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the point. I want, to, I want you to see what's impacted by some of these implications of understanding how the covenants relate to one another. Here's a few. Have you ever heard a, perhaps an opponent of biblical marriage say something like, oh, homosexuality is an abomination. But you know what? The book of Leviticus also says eating shellfish is an abomination and wearing clothes of mixed garment is an abomination. Perhaps we should do all of those things, too. Have anybody ever heard something along those lines? The issue at stake is the relation of the covenants. They have an accurate question, good question, inaccurate conclusion. They don't understand God's covenant dealing with men and women over the course of history. This is how it impacts it. Here's another one. Do you baptize infants? Do we baptize infants? Some do, though. Why is that? It's not just an issue of, well, what does this verse say? What does this verse say? It comes from an understanding of the covenants and how they relate to one another. Is the covenant of circumcision with Abraham equal to the covenant of baptism, the sign of baptism? And if it is, just as circumcision was applied to all male infants eight days and older, just as it was applied to them, they didn't profess faith in Christ. They didn't have the ability to repent and turn from their sins, but yet it was still administered. Likewise, new covenant children with baptism as a sign should also institute baptism, give the covenant sign to their children. You see where this goes? This is the understanding that leads to it in a nutshell. We do not believe in baptizing infants. I'll explain why probably next week after we lay some foundations. But I'll explain. All of it is an interaction of the covenants with one another. How you view that. How you view the church building. Is this the temple? The understanding of your covenants will impact this. The nature of the church. Are there one people of God or two peoples of God? Is there Israel and the church, separate, distinct, redemptive, redemptive programs, or is there one people of God? All of these questions come through your understanding of the covenants. And because it impacts how you define the church, if you trace that along in Scripture, it will impact your view on end times. And so we have movies like Left Behind and the, the Left Behind book series and things of this nature. All of it is impacted by our understanding of the covenants. I would even go so far as to say if you do not or have never studied the covenants and how they work together, it is impossible for you to come across an informed understanding of end times. Because it's all so integrated goes back to the beginning, Genesis 12. 
all of it. So I want you to see, there's, I could go on and on, but all of these things, should we stand with Israel? This is going to be answered, at least in part, of your understanding of the covenants. There are two primary branches of theology and two primary schools of thought, and we'll speak a little bit more about them next week. Those two schools, some of you know already, are called, remember, if you don't understand, it's okay. We're going to come back down, I promise, all right? Those two schools are called covenant theology and dispensational theology. Both of them are attempts at trying to understand how the covenants fit together, how they work so that we can be faithful to God's word, to understand and teach the whole counsel of God faithfully. Both passionately, both camps passionately love the Lord Jesus. Both passionately preach the gospel. Both passionately want to know the, the God who created us. And both have very different understandings of the scriptures. And you have, you are impacted by this, even if you don't know about it. This is important. So I'm trying to uh, give us these, this framework. And you might wonder, well, Pastor Randy, those who know, are you dispensational or are you covenantal theologian? I won't answer that for you this week. Maybe not next week. We'll see. This is massive. This is massive. So what covenants have we seen so far? Let's check them out. What covenants have we seen so far? We've seen uh, a covenant first. It's generally, not always, it generally consists of a promise, condition, and a sign. There's all sorts of different covenants people make. There's Mutual covenants, we call these parities. There's one where a superior unilaterally binds himself to somebody who's inferior. There's one where an inferior person unilaterally binds himself to a superior. You've probably seen this in movies where somebody, the hero, rescues somebody from death, and that person comes and says, you saved my life. I am yours forever. I am your servant. It's a unilaterally imposed covenant from an inferior to the superior. There's all sorts of covenants, and they generally consist of a promise, a condition, and a sign. There's the Adamic covenant, or some call it the covenant of works in Genesis 2 through 3. The promise, you will live forever. Just the condition, don't eat of the tree. Every other tree you may eat of, this one, do not. For the day you eat of it, promise of a punishment, you shall surely die. In dying, you shall die, literally. And what was the sign of the Adamic covenant? Ooh, this one's not clear in Genesis 2, so my scholars will have to know this. The sign of the Adamic covenant, Exodus 31, verse 16 and 17, tells us is a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath day, the day of rest. The Noahic covenant, Genesis 9, 8 through 17, we studied this You remember God destroys all the earth and he says, I will make my covenant with Noah. And what was his promise? I will never again destroy the earth by the waters of flood. What was the sign? The rainbow. Rainbow. That one in particular is an unconditional. Conditioned on God himself. His faithfulness. I will never do it by flood. 
and there was a sign, the rainbow. Remember, a covenant generally consists of a promise, a condition, and a sign. Then there's the Abrahamic covenant. It comes from us, Genesis 12. It's renewed and, I guess you could say, updated, sort of. Genesis 15, Genesis 17, and Genesis 22. We'll get more into this as we trek along through Genesis, all right? But the sign or the promise was a unilateral covenant. God entered into Abraham on the basis of God's faithfulness alone, on God's grace alone. Abraham did nothing to warrant it. Abraham was actually a sinful man living as in idolatry, worshiping false gods, and God chose him by his grace and draw, drew him out. The promise, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was the promise. Unconditional. And then the sign. What was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? Circumcision. Circumcision was the sign. That might be confusing. You're like, why would you? Okay, I get the rainbow, and I get the seventh day, but then circumcision. Okay, you have to understand, early covenants go in ancient, ancient Near East, all right? They cut bulls in half and open them up, and the parties, in this case, God himself, walks through the cut animals, in effect, saying, if I break this covenant, may my fate be their fate. May I be destroyed and cut in half. That's what he's saying. He's binding himself upon threat of punishment if he breaks it. And Abraham doesn't walk through it, only God. But God later imposes a sign of the, because God's superior. This is key. When God makes covenant with humans, we don't get to dictate the terms. Only God. And God later tells Abraham the covenant of circumcision in like manner with the bulls, you who break covenant, may you be cut off likewise, like this skin. You who are unclean and unfaithful, may you likewise be cut off. It's intense, right? The Bible has got some intense stuff in it. Abrahamic covenant. And then the new covenant. We haven't covered this yet, but because it's going to be so central, we're going to read it today. Jeremiah 31, 32. It will be up here. Behold. The days are coming, declares the Lord. Check it out. So all of God's covenant heads have failed. Every single one of them have fallen. None of them have brought the promise and kept covenant as hoped. Behold, God says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I, here's the covenant refrain. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's the promise of the new covenant that God set in motion way back in Genesis 1, verse 1, traced all the way from Adam to Noah to Abraham through Moses through David. The greater one is coming, Jesus. He has a special, and this covenant love, he has a special 
love for his people. He came to Abraham, right? So we've been working our way from wide to narrow. God's dealing with the nations first, Adam and Noah, the table of nations in Genesis 10, and he's narrowing it in Genesis 12 to one family of all the earth, Abraham. And he says, with you specifically and your descendants, not everybody else, but you, I'm going to make my covenant with. You will be my people and I will be your God. This is important. There's a common refrain heard in our culture. We are all God's children. You've heard this, yes? We are all God's children. Or God is the God of the nations. He created all people. That's true. He created all people. But he relates specially, covenantally with only his people, with his special love. The Bible calls this hesed, his covenant love, his steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's God's covenant love. And it's only for his people. Let me give you an example. I'm related to every Christian everywhere because of the blood of Jesus. I am related to you, Christian, member of Kahului Baptist Church by covenant. I am specifically related to you by covenant in that I am your pastor. I am your under-shepherd in the place of Christ. I am not everybody and every Christian on Maui who's walking around. I am not their shepherd necessarily. I am yours specially by covenant. I have a unique relationship with you. Likewise, with all of you members... 100%. I love all of you. Even non I love you guys too. Christian, right? You're just in Christ. We just love each other, right? Christian, okay, we love you. Non-Christian, we love you too, okay? I love all of you. But I am related to one member in this church uniquely by a special covenant. Her name is Brittany Pauley. See, while I love all of you, I have a special love for Brittany Pauly. I am related to her by covenant of marriage. And it is so intimate that whereas you and I identify with one another, she identifies with me in a special way in that I am her man. And she is my woman, right? And she relates to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know where that. She relates to me so specially in that covenant that she takes my name and identifies with me. She wears a sign of the covenant. The ring. So that lets everybody know she is mine and I am hers. In like manner, God is the God of the nations. But he relates with his people only through his covenant. Ultimately through Jesus. And so it is improper and unbiblical to say we are all God's children. We are not. God is only father to those whom he relates to covenantally through the blood of Christ in the new covenant today. So, when God lovingly enters into a covenant with us, he knows exactly what's good for us, what's best for us. We don't get to negotiate the terms, only God does that. And this might come out a little bit more when we talk about, let's compare covenant and contract. Okay? Our society is a very contractual society, so much so that it's bleeding into marriage. 
so that marriage are more, is more contractual. In a contract, it's about me negotiating terms and benefits with what's good for me. Contract is about me, what's good for me. A covenant, a covenant is about ne- negotiating terms and stipulations about what's good for you. What benefits you? A contract, what's best for me? A covenant, what's best for you? A covenant is servanthood. A contract is mostly selfishness. A contract is often termed, this is mine, that's yours. This is mine, that's yours. A covenant, I am yours, and you are mine. I will be your God, and you shall be my people. What's good for you? I'm good for you. It's about servanthood. Many of you, even before this sermon, couldn't explain much about covenant by terms of definition, but you many of you experienced it in terms of covenant marriage. You said a covenant, you took a solemn oath, you made agreements and responsibilities to one another. In effect, you said, I am yours and you are mine with one condition ending the covenant. You know what it is? Till death do us part. That's the condition. All these things will be in effect until one of us dies. For richer, for poor, for better, for worse, in sickness and in hell. Till death do us part. You know, you've experienced, many of you, the covenant of marriage. And in that new covenant, God comes to all people, Jew and Gentile, male and female, and says, I am yours, I will be your God, and you are mine in Christ. I love the way one children's book put it, and speaking about God's special covenant love. Check this out. This is a Jesus storybook Bible. If you don't have it for your children, get it. When it speaks of God's covenant love, it says, God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's how it describes the covenant love of God for his people. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And all the covenants from Adam on point to the fulfillment, the ultimate head of the covenant, Jesus, the one who enters into covenant with sinners and they, when they turn from their sin and trust him. He loves them with his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, unfailing, always and forever love. This is our God. This is our God. And I have two final small points of application in closing. Dear friend, if you don't know this covenant-making God, this God who enters into covenant with fallen sinful people, you say, man, I've been so far from God, I've been so far from church, I've been so far from him for so long, he will take you back with that love. If you will turn and come to Jesus today, Don't wait for tomorrow. Why don't wait for tomorrow? It's not that God will leave. It's that you might not be able to turn tomorrow. Today, come and experience the unbreaking, unending, always and forever love of God. 
that's lavishly available to you through Jesus and Jesus alone. Come experience the relationship you were meant to have with your creator. Finally, Christian, simple application today. As God establishes his covenant with us, as God establishes his covenant with us, brothers and sisters, we are related also by covenant to one another. Specifically, the new covenant, Christ. The blood of Christ. And we're going to remember this right now where we are partaking. You can literally taste. This is a sign, a symbol of that covenant. One of them. You can taste the the grace of God and the body of Christ. You can taste the mercy as you partake. And you remember, you call to mind God's covenant love for you when you were once dead in sin and undeserving of any help. And God came and scooped you up and Christ and he lavished mercy, poured it out on you. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. Let it renew your affection and your zeal for Christ this morning. But we're also related as one body at Kahului Baptist Church by covenant. We covenant together, not contract together. I don't look at what's good for me, what's, what's good for you, or what's best for me, and I don't want, I look out what's best for you. In the local church, we covenant together with looking out for what's best for one another. And we have united together because God, God is united with us, with his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love by covenant. So let's remember today's Lord's Supper be a special, joyful time of remembrance as we reflect on the covenant love of Jesus for you And may it be a time of renewal for your love toward one another, towards your spouse, towards your children, towards other church members. And together as one body, may we taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is sufficient in that it relates to us the beauties of a covenant relationship with you. Father, may you stir to remembrance the realities that you are our God and we are your people. Lord, if there are any here who do not know the mercy and the joy and the love, the person of Jesus, who is our covenant, may you draw them this morning by faith, Lord. May you draw them for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.